and welcome to episode 15 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 10th of July, 2017. I'm Joe, and with me are Jesse. Good evening, all. Phelan. Good afternoon. And Ike. Good morning. Not that again. <laughs> right, well, we've got loads of news to catch up on because we haven't done any proper news apart from the Debian thing and stuff last time. So let's start with the positive news, definitely positive, that Endless OS 3.2 has been released. And it has rebased from Gnome Shell 3.8 to 3.22. Uh, sorry, what? I fell asleep there. <laughs> Am I right in saying that this that the Gnome Shell has gone 8, 9, 10, 11, blah, 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 all the way to 22? So they're like years behind. Yeah. So, yeah, this is quite a big bit of work for Endless. And uh, there's a blog post from one of the guys who's, who's the sort of key person to make this happen. And uh, it turns out that a lot of the things they had done to make uh, the interface with Endless, you know, their baby, if you will, took a lot of effort to then rebase it because they've, they're so far behind. Well, isn't it because Gnome shifts the goalposts constantly and makes it a pain in the ass to do anything that's based on it? Well, I mean, most of the guys involved in this are known people. So it, it can't really be a case of no moving the goalposts because... They basically are them. You know, I mean, they're not known proper, but they are known developers that are working on this. So they they took the f- steps of forking GNOME Shell on lots of other GNOME components to make Endless OS. And this is basically what happens when you do a big fork and you stay behind. It's a lot of effort to catch back up again and get it back on parity. Yeah, they seem to say that there was half the things they were... Uh, unique enough that they then had to either recode it all so that it was working with 3.22 and other things they just said actually in that time the version that we had when we wanted to try and do this one particular thing there's something upstream that's good enough so for example the folders within the uh, application menu uh, the activities menu sorry i had to look at my corner of the screen and see what it's called um the activities menu, you can, in normal GNOME, there are no folders, but there's now a way of having folders done upstream without actually having to to, to write all that code themselves. So it seems like half of it is difficult because they've had to recode it, but half of it they've learned that why were they doing it themselves in the first place when other people are doing it and you can stand on those shoulders? I'm not entirely convinced because they knew what was happening upstream all that time. They knew. I mean, they've got significant non-people, non-community people and developers within that community and who are working for them. So it's not like they didn't know what was happening upstream. I think for some things, they just happened to do them beforehand. And especially that they had the older base, it's kind of easier to do something different as opposed to do all the rebasing then. But it's it's been such a long time that they basically finally had to rebase. And it just so happens some of the things that they've been using are, there's there's better versions of them upstream already. But they did make a point of saying that they never want to do this again, which I found quite funny. Well, they want to rebase on almost every version as often as they can. Mm. To avoid doing this again. Is that what you've done with Solus then? No. Um, I mean, we just take the vanilla stuff the substri- uh, from upstream. What they're doing is they have the same code base as upstream and they're modifying that code base. So if you look at, say, like something like Budgie or even Elementary's Pantheon, right? They're, they're separate code projects that rely on the libraries. So you'd make minor changes to the code, usually, not always. <laughs> we'll just pretend it's always minor. But that is significantly easier than modifying the same code base. So I'd be modifying something like Budgie Panel or even Tank or something, one of those programs. They're external. This is taking a fork of GNOME Shell itself, a GNOME Control Center. So they've got all this conflicting history to work with and figure out if their changes will still work and if the API will still work. So it's significantly harder. So they've learned from that and maybe trying to use these third-party applications and things to to fit in rather than having to do all of this this rework themselves. I I guess the the question I have about this is that a big, you know, the big uh, drive of Endless is to be available for areas which have poor or no internet connectivity. So when they do an update like this, or when they do any updates, how are those getting to these people? You know, it's all very well and good having half of Wikipedia on your computer at all times, but if you're you're having to do updates and things, this is going to like tank your internet connection. Yes and no. So in an we might call a traditional distribution. 
that might happen because you'd have like all these hundreds of packages coming through. Say if you'd updated from Debian 7 to Debian 8, you'd have these massive packages come through and all things getting removed. They're using OS tree, which is basically slated as basically Git for file systems, right? Git for binaries. So they ship a file system image. They're not shipping like a Debian or Ubuntu proper. It's been... I don't really know a nice way of putting it. So it's kind of been squished into this OS tree image. What started off as a normal Linux distribution is now in this flat image, and it's effectively read-only. So once this update goes out, they will ship a difference between that original file system and the new version of the file system, which forms the new image. So you're just getting the file system diff itself, not hundreds upon hundreds of packages. So it would be a bit more friendly than your traditional update. Delta updates, that's called, isn't it? Yeah, basically, um, you're, you're just receiving the differences between it, like the, the deltas, as opposed to all of those packages or all of those individual files. So it's a lot more friendly than had they done something like a dist upgrade or something. Yeah, if you've got an ISO that's that massive, then that's surely the way to update it. Yeah, makes sense, really. Yeah, well, you, I was reluctant to put this in because IK, you predicted that they were going to be the darling OS of 2017. <laughs> and so they are. <laughs> well, everyone's talking about them. Michael Hall's moved over after he left Canonical. I don't know whether he was fired or left. Who knows? And he's been promoting it pretty hardcore, left, right, and center. So, yeah, fair play to them. They're, they're really pushing this. And um, it's not for us, is it, is the bottom line. No. But it's obviously for someone. And it's good to see something a bit different technology-wise in the Linux space. So fair play to him, I reckon. Now, Phelan's been uh, conspicuously quiet. And in the interest of balance, do you want to uh, <laughs> bring us up to speed on what Katie has been up to? I don't need your pity. <laughs> <laughs> um, first one up is Katie's stash. Um, the idea is you're trying to tie up, say, a large stack of folders in a project or whatever, and you've got them all over the place. And it's not just a case of you know, control A, highlight the lot. You want to selectively pick some. But the problem is there might be some in other folders and subfolders and all sorts of mess. And the idea is that what people generally do is create a desktop icon uh, folder, sorry, and they just drop everything in there. And then from there, they move it somewhere else. And it's just, it's horrible. It's messy. There's no reason to, to duplicate the files or move the files and then move them all again. So there's a KDE, IO slave that they've brought up and it's called KD stash and essentially you can put in the file manager the stash uh, resource handler and then you can just drop stuff into a virtual file and nothing gets moved until you're ready to go and then you drop it where you want to quite handy so it's making like sort of sim links within this folder well no not really um it's just keeping a record of where all those files are and then when you're ready to move them it shifts them all to where you want them to go so so yeah, it's, it's making sim links into a folder. Well, no, it's not sim links, <laughs> dear God. So from what I understand about this, which is not much at all, it's kind of like a staging tree in memory. Yes. So instead of actually going and moving those files, it's like, okay, I see you want to move these files, but we're not going to do them yet. So instead, it doesn't make any sim links or any file system modifications. Exactly. It's just storing where those things are eventually going to go. And then when you're happy with that new, effectively a staging structure, you say, okay, let's move them all over into this place. And then all the writes happen instead of the dozens of folder copies and renames and moving yeah. into subfolders you've already done. So it would save a lot of wear on the disk as well alone. So is this something that could be implemented in other desktops then? No, because Katie's brilliant and you're all just trying to catch up. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I imagine it maybe I have no idea the architecture, but I know like GNOME has a thing a bit like that, the virtual, well, what do they call it? GVFS. Um, that's the one. Maybe you could do that. I don't know, but I, I just know it's inferior technology in anything but KDE, so clearly no. Well, when it comes to Thunar, I'll be interested. Until then, <laughs> not so much. Uh, so snaps are being added to KDE Discover. What the fuck's KDE Discover? It's essentially the graphical front end for whatever your package manager happens to be. Um, and yeah, just in order to make Popey happy, they just added snaps. That's <laughs> good of them. I don't think it was just to make Popey happy, in all fairness, no. Uh, snaps, big way to go. So yeah, I mean, it's Discover has been... It's... Uh, not always got the love, so 
I think a bit of work's been done. They're adding snaps to it. I think it's a good sign because right now, I certainly don't use any graphical tools to add and remove software. And to be honest, when I heard this news, I fired up mine to see if it had it, and it didn't yet. But uh, Discover is actually all right. It's not too bad. It, you know, it's it's kind of the more app center way of suggesting apps that are new and cool and pictures with them, etc. Try and get you to try stuff out. Um, but I still will probably just stick to apt at the command line. Presumably this has come out of the snappy sprint that Canonical did a week or so ago in London. To be quite honest, I actually don't know. Uh, I haven't a clue. I, I noticed you were conspicuously absent from that sprint, uh, Ike. I was getting my perm that week. <laughs> Poppy said it was fine. <laughs> I wonder what was under your hat. Because they invited quite a lot of people, didn't they, um, from mm. various distros and desktops and stuff? Well, I may have... Well, I mean, people are kind of the assumption means like, he's not going to do snaps. He's not going to do snaps. Because I may have been vocal about universal package formats one or two times, maybe. Um, and then added flat pack. So, and then uh, added flat pack. <laughs> However, right, saying that, I mean, I don't really, really want to bitch about this too much, but... I don't know if you saw this on Telegram the other day. This is a little bit of a segue, but there was an issue where I found out someone from the Solus community was trying to package something and they'd rightly gone to known bugs in it. And they've asked, you know, blah, 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 this is a problem. When I launch it from the command line, it's fine. Uh, it was known recipes, which is one of the new known maps. Uh, you'll never guess what it's for. So when you launch it from the menu, it wouldn't launch. It's like, okay. And then the, the question back was, why don't you use the flat pack? It's like, so I basically stepped in and said, well, we're only going to use flat pack for third party applications. If we have the source code available, we're going to package it, which I think is sensible, but apparently people think that's weird. Anyway, it was closed as resolved, won't fix, not gnome. (laughs) Because we wouldn't use the flat pack version. And in the end, it was basically said, well, you know, this isn't the problem software. It was, I gave the patch that actually fixed it. It was very much a problem with it. In fact, their debug service file was wrong. But from that moment, it was like, okay, is, is this now going to be the attitude? Obviously, one individual does not a no make. But if that kind of thing that like you, you use Flatpak or nothing, it's like that really, really turned me off of Flatpak altogether. That it just didn't feel right trying to enforce people to use it. So. Yeah, I mean, first time I've said this in public, but hey, I'm open to snaps. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, you did say before that you wouldn't be close to it. Yeah, I've hinted at it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. Did they accept your patch then, at least? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it got merged. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all that really matters, isn't it? And also, just to be clear, that a short individual does a no make. all right drag us on something else someone uh vulcan support added to cute 5.10 this has got to be good news yeah games new hotness all good um not in flight gear so of no interest whatsoever to me but yeah it's good that it's there (laughs) is it just games though or is it other kind of bits of uh flashy desktop and stuff Mm, graphics uh plasma Ike. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it could use it, couldn't it? Once it's got clean. enough support going throughout Qt, because remember, Qt isn't just like the widget toolkit. It's stuff like Qt Quick. I hate saying Qt, but anyway. Just say Qt. It's it Qt. And for QML, which most of the Plasma desktop is based on, once that Vulkan support goes through more parts of the desktop, that would mean like multi-threaded better rendering for the desktop itself, as well as like all the widgets and extensions and stuff that you get in the Plasma desktop. So that's going to be a win for everyone. Not to suck this into a Vulkan discussion, but at what level do it and OpenGL cross, or does one supersede the other? Right, so OpenGL is, long story short, you know, it's a standard and there's an API to do this stuff. It, it's kind of hard, it's not that hard, but then... Not that I'm accusing or saying they are related. Apple came along a few years ago, and do you remember they announced Metal? Because it was closer to the Metal. (laughs) That's literally what they called their API. They said, no, we don't need all of this obscure stuff. We don't need abstractions. We just need to get past all this crap, all this bottleneck, and talk to the drivers, right? We need all this crap out of the way. So then Vulcan came along, completely independent effort, 
did sort of the same thing. <laughs> and it wanted to get all that stuff out of the way as well, reduce the bottleneck, reduce all the overhead of using these OpenGL calls. And it's faster and it's designed to be multi-threaded from the start, whereas the multi-threaded stuff of OpenGL is kind of hard. This is designed to be like, really really parallel so for games is brilliant you're always hearing the steam news about that coming out you know this one now has vulcan and it runs however many percent faster well now imagine that applied to your desktop itself where it doesn't have all of that overhead so that would be the the long-term benefits to the likes of plasma or even things like uh, lxqt my god so joe could like stop whinging about his 300 year old laptop doesn't run qt to the right speed he can maybe now do that <laughs> yeah, i mean it would run faster it'd be better refreading because opengl has that certain level of overhead i mean kwin would have to gain the support for it and i know they previously said no 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 we we have these we have that it's like yeah, you probably will end up having that. so it, it it's all good you know there are libraries around it so because it's hard to use there are libraries that emerged around it to make that hardness easier <laughs> and it's still faster and more better. And the driver support's coming along as well. I mean, you've got them in like in the NVIDIA proprietary driver. So yeah, I mean, that's definitely good. Even GTK added it just to turn that back away from KDE there. <laughs> Will it make my SSH terminals any faster? <laughs> if they're rendered with cute, maybe. Awesome. Of course they are. Will it make VLC any better? That's what I want to know. Because that's gone down the shitter. I mean, let's be honest here, right? VLC, once upon a time, everybody knew what VLC was, right? Before the days of like Windows 8. If it was Windows or Linux, you ran VLC. That was the media player app of choice. Then it went on yeah. to Android. Then it went on to Windows 8, and it, had, it grew this new custom UI. And then that, since that day, the VLC UI on Linux has not changed. It has some Qt5 support in that it builds for it, but the code base was still written for Qt4. They've stopped doing anything interesting or innovative in in or innovative, or good, <laughs> with the UI. Whereas, like, the Windows version of it has this custom Metro UI. You're not allowed to say Metro anymore, are you? But it has this custom UI, and on Linux, VLC kind of, it's been left in the dirt. Like, nobody wants it anymore. People want sexy apps, like no MPV. Well, VLC was my go-to for years and years and years, and it just seems that with every release, it gets worse and worse. So. Yeah. Maybe I should start using something else. But all right, let's move on. Um, let's talk about um, a distro that we get accused of never talking about, uh, Ubuntu. Oh, no, hang on. <laughs> uh, so they made this huge announcement, and the ripples are still rippling, and we'll get back to that later, some of those ripples, about dropping um, Unity and stuff and moving to Gnome and Wayland. And they were dead dead certain, yep, they, it's going to be Wayland, definitely. We've got no other choice. And now a bit of doubt seems to be creeping in, thinking, hmm, well, Fedora might have been using it for a year or two, but uh, hmm, it's still a bit shit and not ready. So we probably might maybe use X still. What? <laughs> What's that? Ubuntu failing to deliver on a, a promise? No, I mean, you mean to tell me that something that's basically been push in for mainstream use for effectively two and a half to three years suddenly can't replace x that has been around since the telegraph <laughs> <laughs> i mean it was bound to happen wasn't it right so ike what does uh solus use <laughs> Uh, X11. Well, we, we kind of did a controversial one, right? It was at the time when Fedora was, they was finally putting out their release and they said, no, this one definitely is Wayland this time, right? Because they'd had a little bit of a spotty history of it. It's like, this one is definitely Wayland this time and it's coming on time. I think it was a week late. Anyway, once they did that, we put out a post next week. It's like, yeah, we turned Wayland off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> because it was buggy. And that's what Ubuntu is finding out from normal everyday usage, not just targeted at developers developers and a certain subset of users is like people game people use web browsers some people gasp still have to use java plugins right <laughs> which is her but for real world usage it's not there yet think of all those gtk2 apps you still have to use yeah well joey from omg ubuntu makes the point in this article about it that fedora is one thing with a few thousand users or you know i, I can't remember there was um there was some stat <laughs> recently wasn't there <laughs> just five <laughs> whereas ubuntu is 
potentially 25 million plus users and you can't just start doing shit like this and expecting no problems and fedora is aimed at developers primarily who can probably fix things but they have delta rpms joe i mean Uh, come on yeah that fixes wayland but it's a good point ubuntu is a mainstream distro for uh, your grandma and all that bollocks so you can't just start chucking Wayland in if it's not ready. And Well, remember that time when myself and Jesse were right, where we said they were obviously going to invest in the desktop now using all the bits that they didn't have to develop themselves and work on the other parts, and how, you know, this is the upshot of that. Well, Mia isn't dead for a start, like yeah. we thought it was. They're continuing to develop that, and it could potentially be a key part of uh, the, the replacement for X. So the takeaway is, oh, shiny thing, not ready. (gasps) Surprise face. Yeah, pretty much. But it's not that shiny. (laughs) Wayland's been around for donkey's years now. Yeah, but I mean, it's only the last couple of years where it got, it's not even at the sexy status anymore. You know where it was like, we're working on Wayland support. Oh my God, you're not. We are. God, no. Let me have a look of it, right? We're not even at that stage anymore. It's almost at meme stages. When are you putting Wayland in? Uh, how long is a piece of string? I don't know, but does it talk Wayland? Does Duke Nukem forever run Wayland? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's got to the point now where people don't actually care about why Wayland would be better. It's just, Wayland is better. Why don't you have it? Because it's not ready yet. <laughs> but it works for these ones. Yeah, using the private internal hacks, which aren't part of the upstream protocols. What are protocols? <laughs> I can't believe I missed my opportunity for a DNF joke there. More like DNR. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was bitchy. Uh, let's uh, wind Phalium up a little bit. So uh, you still read actual books made of paper because and, and you accuse me of having I don't old use stuff. books made out of paper. I Free use letter. DRM-free PDFs ah, on right, my okay. laptop and my phone. But now you can't get them anymore because O'Reilly have shit the bed and stopped selling them. <laughs> wankers. It's the only way I can put it. Wankers. The amount of money I've given them over the last few years, and, you know, I'm, I'm clearly not keeping the company going enough, but they're looking now for $400 to get a Safari account, which is essentially their subscription-based um, access to all this stuff online. Like the um, Netflix of eBooks. Essentially, yeah. Page um, well, technical ebooks, maybe. Yeah, so they're saying that it's uh, the price of seven books. Yeah, and that's okay. Well, that's full price books. Yeah, full price new books, which isn't always the case. So I don't know the full details because I don't think they've fully released yet, but you can get an app for mobile, which, you know, clearly I'm not going to use because it's going to be in the stupid Play Store. Well, it's not going to be an F Droid. No, I imagine it isn't, <laughs> what with the DRM and all that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're going to have, you're going to pay $400 every year to not have full access to the books that you want. So, I mean, I'm not thinking I want the latest and greatest, whatever the orange sunglass kiltwearing maniacs are using, you know, the latest serverless technology or whatever it is. I want, you know, standard books for stuff I'm doing. I want to be able to read them when I'm not online because I might be somewhere I don't have access to the internet. And you know what? A PDF works just great for that. What kind of sysadmin doesn't have access to the internet? Hmm. Well, you might be in a data center all locked down. You might have no you might have no access out. You might be in a like a cardholder network or something like that. You're not oh, even allowed right. on their network, let alone, you know, access to other stuff. So yeah, I just think it's ridiculous. You know So what you're saying is I mean, this is a bit of a summarization here. Um you advocate the murder of trees, and F-Droid isn't quite there. <laughs> Again, I said I don't use paper books. <laughs> PDFs, they're fair, not made out of paper. The the few books that I ever did get for myself of a technical nature were from O'Reilly. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. It's like I did get accused oftenly of collecting PDFs that I didn't read, which there is a slight grain of truth to that. But if you really want to have a resource on stuff or – you know, you're you're looking at the new stuff all the time. The problem, half the problem, is getting time to look into all the new and shiny stuff. So you don't always have effort for that. So it's nice to get a reliable editor checked set of data. And yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be trolling the interwebs now from now on, which is not always the Stack best. Stack overflow. 
Yeah, just just Chimod seven 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 and all those files, and that'll fix it. Yeah, cheers. Maybe I won't listen to what you're saying. That's what you literally have to do for PHP BB. <sighs> I hate PHP. It says it all. Really. I think it is. Lit- I think it might even actually be seven seven seven. That's how bad PHP BB is. But like, they say that you can still get the physical books on Amazon. Yeah, so you turn up at a client's store, a little granny trolley behind you. I'm not making the point about you buying physical books, or that's not the point I'm making, Valen. Calm down. <laughs> I'm making the point that they've you can still get the dead tree books, or you can sign up to like this ridiculous system, or the one that is most useful for people of a technical nature is the one they've cut, basically. Yeah, well, okay, I, th- I believe you may be able to get Kindle books from Amazon, which, again, doesn't help me, so there we go. Yeah, buy that, use Calibre, problem solved. <sighs> yeah, but tech, you're in a grey area there. I mean, they had a nice legal system. It's like they've taken the legal way away. It's ridiculous. Well, okay, so I think we can take away from that. Fuck you, O'Reilly. <laughs> yes, yes, we can. Especially you, Tim. <laughs> Bangers, our lucrative advertising deal. Yeah, shit. They actually gave us... Um, uh, when we did Bloodites, they gave us uh, a ticket to give away for uh, OzCon Europe. It did. Which which was worth like over a grand. And um, yeah, we gave that away to a listener who was, uh, it went and had a good time. So we probably shouldn't be dissing them, but oh well, there we go. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Mozilla <laughs> instead. And uh, their huge pot of money sloshing around. They've actually spent it on something good for a change. Project Common Voice, which is a project to basically get all the data that you need for, well, anything that you need text-to-speech or speech-to-text, the likes of Mycroft, I would hope. And so they want people to donate their voice or to listen to recordings and validate whether they've got the uh, the text to, well, the speech-to-text right. And I've done a bit of both, and so I've done my part, and I think that everyone out there should do theirs because it would be good to have a properly free and open database of this stuff that people can use for their applications it is an absolute piece of piss to do and you just follow the link and there it is it says you know you read out like three sentences and then maybe from a book or something random and you read out one it says yep done next one next one and what i liked was that i mean listeners from other shores may not believe this but it's actually very warm in england at the moment um to the point where i have to have a fan on in the night uh and sleep on the top It's, it's ridiculous they call it summer and I did the recording. I thought, oh, I should really turn the fan off because of background noise. Oh, fuck it. You know, it's up to do this. Off we go. And then I read the like blurb about it. And it said, we're looking for people to do it in their car with background noise to have fans on in the background to ching and other, you know, any kind of noise. Because when these things are used in real life, they're going to be used on phones. Mostly they're going to be used with a with some sort of Amazon little blobby thing and you're going to be cooking or you're going to have children in the background or a dog. And so they need to to have this database as rough as real life. So yeah, I, I you know, I, I agree with what you're saying there, Joe. It's, it's great that someone's stepped up and of course it's Moneybags Mozilla and said, Let, let's try and make this database and make it available to try and improve the non-closed uh, versions of all these voice-controlled activated things. How have you found the software? How did you did you use the website or did you use the app? Because I used the website, and I I recorded a load of stuff myself. But it then started asking me the same files again to record, and then I said, "Okay, I'll move over to listen mode." And I tried that out, and I got through about six, and then it repeated again. And I have now been stuck with the exact same guy's recordings again and again. Some American guy, and I don't get to uh, approve any other ones. It's really strange. Yeah, so I was lying in bed doing it as I was doing it on my phone. And uh, I should have said lying in bed doing the recordings. But anyway, so <laughs> I, I was... I was. Uh, it would only allow me to do the recordings and it would play them back to me so I could check. You can, like, uh, before you submit, you can check that your recordings are not uh, completely wrong or whatever. Um, but it wouldn't actually play other people's back to me. But what I did note was that one of you guys had messaged during the week and said, what the fuck is this word? And in the in the text that I was going to be reading of the recording that was going to be read back to me but wasn't read back to me because it wasn't read back, it had that weird word. And I thought... Oh, Ogilvy, was it? Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. And I thought, is 
is this the same sentence like a thousand times? Do they have a big database? You would think they would have a bajillion books to find and you could just have random sentences constantly. So I, I second your concern that there's the same sentences over and over again. Either that or it's just you, me, and this other person who's doing it. And <laughs> yeah. it knows that I know you, so I was... Joe's, Joe's been lying. <laughs> I maintain this is future Skynet because you've just explained... Explain to me again where you were when you recorded this. Lying in bed in my boxes. Right, so I've just gone to vice.mozilla.org and you have the try help us validate sentences box down the bottom. And I will read out to you exactly what it says here. There are lights in the upper windows of the houses when the people went to bed. <laughs> It yeah, I, I, live in a, I live in a block of flats. People upstairs may have had the lights on. It was there, man. I'm telling you, this is Skynet. <laughs> well, anyway, everyone go and check it out and contribute your voice and validate stuff. Oh, interesting question. What voice, uh, what license will your voice be under? Mm, good question. Hopefully public domain. <laughs> There's you. I don't fucking care, Ike. <laughs> <laughs> a big mishmash of voices into one. Uh, well, I did have to sign a, a CLA, so, you know, hopefully it'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, let's talk about Let's Encrypt. Uh, let's Encrypt, Mozilla and the Linux Foundation and some others, I think, offering free SSL certs that you wouldn't touch with a barge pole iKey because you think it's amateur hour or something. Uh, but that it's what I've been using for my sites when people moaned that they weren't uh, SSL encrypted. And... Now, finally, they are going to offer from the start of next year wildcard certs. So basically, you can have anything dot your domain under one cert rather than every subdomain having to have its own one, which is getting rid of a huge barrier to entry for this. The axiom is that HTTPS is good no matter what. Who am I to argue with that? So surely there can be nothing bad said about this development. Also, as a disclaimer, these things didn't exist when I got my certificate. I need wildcards. It didn't exist. Ah, so you're going to switch over then? My fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I just spent like 500 euros on the things. I'm going to milk it into the very last minute. So someone complains, oh, it's expired. I know, but I have the receipt. <laughs> <laughs> so previously, I mean, when you say you had to get uh, wildcards, but w- didn't you just have to get a different certificate for every single subdomain? Oh, yeah, but come on, that's janky. Yeah, so when if you use the cert bot thing, which is what I do because I'm a noob, it basically gives you all of the domains that could possibly be available on that website, and then you have to it numbers them, and you have to do one comma two comma three comma four, and so I assume I've never done it with subdomains. I assume it's similar, whereas now it can just be star dot and so it's just so much easier to deal with all your subdomains in one cert, which could actually be pointing at different physical servers or virtual servers or whatever, different IPs and stuff. But as long as it's it's something dot your domain, then one cert will do. I have virtual subdomains and I have different physical machines as well, which complicates it when trying to use something like CertBot because they're at the well now there are three servers. At the time there was two servers and a load of sub-domains on each of those. Something like Sartbot just wouldn't be able to do it at the time, but with a wildcard, then well, it's just one certificate. So, Phelan, you do this shit for a living. Like, is this a bit not corporate enough for you? <sighs> to be honest, SSL certs have really annoyed me for a long time because it's not like they're doing anything magic here. It's a, a set of numbers, and they're charging you like 70 quid. I can understand if you have validation, so you have had to provide a passport, company documents, whatever, that's like fine. Me. I can understand that takes money and time. But um, for the vast majority of stuff, this is fine. Script it. Be done with all the nonsense. Just get it out and get it encrypted. And, you know, you can trust or not trust a cert place as much as you want, but at least get in sites secured at least provide some protection against uh man in the middle sniffing and stuff like that so i'm i'm for it i think it's good and to be honest every time i go to do a cert i'm always sitting there going oh jesus which way around do i do it again because you just do it once a year or once every four years or if you're really unlucky every 10 years and then you're like jesus christ i've forgotten how to do this and as you can script that stuff away yeah all for that yeah you can just stick it in a cron job and jobs are good in 
Yeah, I mean, I can understand if you if you're doing like banking or taking cash, then yeah, you definitely need to have a proper signed one. You want to get a proper uh, the higher validation level ones, and that's fine. You know, they should probably have to like you turn up and take a, a rectal print or something like that to make <laughs> sure it's you. But there there is no way you want to be using Start SL for that, or sorry, Let's Encrypt even. Well, I, the next time I might go for Let's Encrypt then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't know that was an easy way, did you, IQ? Oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> if that was on offer, why didn't you tell me before? <laughs> yeah, don't mention Start SSL. Didn't they get crushed by Mozilla and Google? Oh, yes, they did. Well, hmm. deservedly too, in all fairness, but hey. Mm, yeah, convenient though, wasn't it, eh, for Mozilla? Conflict of interest? Nah, not at all. Anyway, so this episode of Late Night Linux is sponsored by Entraware, and Entraware are a dedicated Linux computer seller based here in the UK. And they sell computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate, 16.04 and 17.04. And the big news is they've got a couple of new machines, the Apollo and the Hybris, both of which look good in completely different ways to me. The Apollo is 13.3 inches, so it's nice and portable. And then completely the other end of the spectrum, we've got the Hybris, which has got a 17.3 inch display. So that's a proper sits on your desk, it gets moved once a month type machine. Importantly, does it have a numeric keypad? It does, yes. Excellent, because I never wanted a laptop with a numeric keyboard. <laughs> well, if you're going to be that big, you may as well. Ah, uh, you might as well, I suppose. Yeah, whereas the Apollo doesn't. And so they've got a huge range anyway, right from kind of more affordable stuff that's good for web browsing and email and basic tasks, all the way through to real powerhouses that can do... 3D graphics and video editing and um, machine learning, that kind of thing. And they've even got um, some desktops and a server as well. And everything's configurable pretty much. You can configure the amount of RAM and hard drives and SSDs and uh, stuff like that. Uh, They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. And if you do buy one of the machines, then do mention us at checkout. Tell them you heard about them from Late Night Linux, and then they'll know. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. On to a bit of admin then, and first of all, thanks to everyone for supporting us with PayPal and Patreon. It's very much appreciated. We don't name names unless you specifically want us to, but you know who you are, and it's keeping us going, basically. So thank you very much for that. Do we do we think a, a round of applause would be appropriate? Yeah, go on, let's have a round of applause. Go on. Well done, everyone. I had to clap my face to do that because <laughs> I was trying to open a bottle of coke. At the same I time. don't want to know. <laughs> oh dear! I hope it's diet coke. <clears throat> Not <laughs> yeah, bitchy. Oh, yeah. No, you, you're supposed to be losing weight like me, but anyway. All right, fucking hell. I'm trying. <laughs> so am I. It's really hard. Anyway. uh and so I was losing weight. Uh, right, I was supposed to do in the admin. Uh, LateNightLinux.com slash support, yeah, if you want to join those people. Um, LateNightLinux.com slash contact for all the ways to get in touch, email and the Telegram group, that sort of thing. And uh, final bit of admin, there is an uncut video of us at Fostalk Live. So if you want to see how much I edit this show, then watch that video and then listen to the last episode of Late Night Linux and see all the little subtle edits that I make to make it easy to listen to. Or if you want to see the real thing and how small the Harrison is, then watch that video that Marius put together. Uh, We'll link to it in the show notes. It's uh, on the Ubuntu Fun um, YouTube channel. Yeah, fair play to Marius. It was great work he did recording all the the shows. It was really cool. Yeah, let's not uh, talk about the camera that he used <clears throat> iphone 7 it actually worked out really well so <sighs> you just have to rub that one in it? yeah cheers i didn't know that <laughs> well it worked out really well with the lens thing that he strapped to it uh in such low light conditions and stuff so yes well done maris uh right so why didn't we talk about this in the news because we're going to have a, a bit of an extended section about it in the last couple of weeks I would say the biggest news in the Linux world has been that System76 and Tuxedo have made their own distros. Now, we can get back to whether they are distros or mere wallpaper respins. System76 is called PopOS, or Pop underscore exclamation mark OS. Great name, guys. 
And that is, at the moment, just Ubuntu 17.04 with a different theme and a different name. And wallpaper. And wallpaper. Uh, Tuxedo have... They're the German company, for people who don't know. They've taken Zubuntu, and it's called... Is it called Tuxedo Zubuntu 16.04 LTS? And done their usual hatchet job on it. Um by the looks of things. I haven't tested that one. I've tested the Pop OS. I was reasonably impressed with Pop OS. They basically take Ubuntu GNOME and make it a little bit less shit. I, I quite like the theme. I quite like the fact that you've got a proper desktop and the extensions they've put on it seem pretty sensible to me. Whether that warrants another distro or not, well, it doesn't. Spoiler alert. They should just make a PPA or something or they've got a PPA already. Why do they need a new distro? I've talked about this loads on other shows. It's time for you lot to have a go. Let's have a bit of positivity first. I think from you, Jesse, you've been trying out Pop OS and you quite like it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it pops. I mean, I hate to say it, but it <laughs> it is bright and <laughs> spit it out, Joe. It is bright. I very nearly spat my cider out there, you bastard. <laughs> it, it is bright and cheerful. It's got sort of a very light blue theme and some nice grey accents. And the theme is pop. You know the a window manager, well, the window decorations is pop. Everything is their own custom theme, whether it's a tweak of something else, whatever you find. Um, like you say, the only, like I say, they had the, all of the um, uh, extensions and things that made it quite nice to use, not the same ones I would have chosen, but they surprisingly didn't have a, like a, a, um, a dock came to me in the end, um, which I'm surprised. And, and this sort of is, the point I'm making is that they are trying to do something I feel that their customers want, which is the right thing to do. And if their customers are used to Ubuntu and their customers want Ubuntu and they feel maybe a little bit put out by the fact that Ubuntu took the rug from under them and they want to take back that control, which is which is where I think they're going with this, you know, They've, they've been upset by the fact that Ubuntu have done this massive change. And if they have their own distribution, OS, what have you, they're in control. They can tweak it and make it look how they want. And no one's going to screw them over. But I'm surprised that they didn't try and make it look a little bit more familiar for people by having some sort of dock down the left-hand side, Acker, the uh, the Unity launcher. Uh, maybe not the launcher, but, you know... Acker. You mean AKA? Yeah, what? <laughs> do we not do also known as like that? No, it's no. AKA. It's an acronym. Nobody has ever done that until now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, world well. first, people. World first. Read about it in the Oprah browser. So, so hey. down the left hand side. But overall, I think they're trying to take control and they can tweak it for their hardware. And so I don't see the massive problem with what they've done. Right. Can I just say, you've said a lot of what they can do there. In theory, yes, they can make it exactly what they want. They can tweak it for the hardware. They can have an Apple-like experience where they have complete control over it. Are they actually going to do that? Do they have the money to do that? Hmm. That is a question. I'm going to spin it back because if you're saying they don't you know it's only a wallpaper and a theme then they don't have the money they haven't bitten off more they can chew it's only a wallpaper and a theme but you know if they do get more money and more developers and realize that there's more they want to do they can put money into it that way so you know i'd say that if, if they've chosen the right a level of um customization given perhaps finances if that is the limitation and they've not gone crazy by trying to bite off more than they can chew i also think we it's going to come up in the discussion i feel but this is their first step their first foray into this world and while they may have done things in a slightly odd way or they maybe could have done things in a technically more savvy way they've they've started and you know this is this is version 0.1 not according to them they claim by their own words that they've been doing this internally for a long time, that this is far from their first steps. And I will agree with you that this allows them to take back control of Ubuntu by basing their distro on Ubuntu, and that they certainly have plenty of cash flow, which is why they're not going the OEM route with Canonical. So, sorry, but those points don't actually stand up. Now, 
I'm not going to sit there and berate them because frankly, they can't take criticism. We've already had this conversation on Google Plus where I've tried to point out the baby steps that they can make because that's what I was hoping. Because, I mean, look, it's a company coming along and making a distro, right? It's not like some random guy coming along and making a distro. You don't get to have the slanging matches with them. That just doesn't happen, right? The fact is, they're a company that made a distro. It's going to happen. Nothing that anyone says can stop them. So I tried to do the first thing by giving out that a bit of advice. Whatever, they don't want it, whichever. I do think that they probably could grow into something better, but I do feel that this is probably born out of fear of the Ubuntu changes because this must have been boiling internally for a little while, right? It's not just going to have happened overnight. And it feels a little bit like a reaction to the death of Unity and what would have been perceived at the time as the withdrawal from the desktop. That's kind of what it feels like to me. But then again, it is early days. So, Do you think this is the Valve version of Microsoft going to an app store? Um, Are they hedging their bets, do you think, or do you think it's a, a full change? I I wouldn't like to say, um, because it's too early to say how committed they are, because at the end of the day, the reality of what they've done, not to belittle what they've done, but the actual technical reality of what they've done, they forked the adapter GTK thing, right? And I... I'm always talking with Tister online. He's, he's the original author adapter, great guy, which is in turn a fork of Flatplat. So they made some customizations there for the pop branding. Um, they've got the visual artwork assets, don't get me wrong. They've got the icon theme, which is a fork of another icon theme, Papyrus. They've put it together in an ISO. Obviously, they would have done testing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they wouldn't. But at the end of the day, that is what they have done so far. They forked a couple of things, tweaked the visual look, and bunged them in an ISO. Now, obviously, there's work involved in that. I think it's too early to say at this stage what they're going to do because, and I've said this repeatedly, they've got, they launched on a very weak foot. Now, there was an embargo in place originally when they spoke, when this all came to light online. Me put the gun in my mouth and spoke about it before anyone else did, made myself a target. Don't do that. It's stupid. Um, they didn't explain what it was they was doing they came out straight away with the excitement it's like this is just for professionals which you know i can totally get that because the whole concept of desktop for mainstream it's bullshit you know that doesn't work there are specific people who use desktops and professionals is that part of the market so that part was right but what they didn't do because they they know linux right they know how linux works they expected that they could just you know, gallivant in and say, hey, we've got a distro, it's going to be exciting, it's going to be great. And then that was it. Not, these are the people we're targeting. These are the reasons we have done this. They didn't do that until afterwards. So I feel much of the confusion about their intentions and where they're going to go after this is because one, not a lot has been delivered so far. We've seen a very pretty looking ISO, and that's basically it. And two, they failed to explain themselves when they came out with it. So it felt very reactionary and a very defensive move, which was further bolstered by their own defensive behavior after the fact. So it's a little bit hard to say, and it's just nothing to go on. Look, just because they called you toxic, Ike, doesn't mean that they're getting defensive. <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit defensive. Come on. <laughs> and I mean, whatever, you know. I mean, I've been in the distro game a long time. I'm, I'm hardly going to be offended by someone calling me toxic. Whatever, that's his own view, you know how the branch out, but I, I do, do still think it's far too early. Now, if their, if their ambition is effectively con continuity from what they've had, you can see into that. And Jesse's right. You know, like what's going to happen with Ubuntu now, the desktop is going to be a very different creature to what people have been used to. So if that is their aim, you know, they, they want to take the user experience further for their customers, then fair enough. But at the end of the day, they should have communicated all of this. And they utterly failed to communicate. One thing that I'm concerned about, right, is with these Linux laptops that you can buy from the various vendors around the world, you are starting to see creeping in here, requiring proprietary blobs to make them work. And that's all well and good as a, a vendor if you've got an OS that you've made and you can stick the binary blobs in there and you can make it work perfectly out of the box. But... Then if you want to reload it with another distro, then you have serious problems with that. And we haven't seen too much of that so far, but if they are taking full control of the operating system and the hardware, then we might see a shift towards that. Then they, they might be less reluctant to have hardware in it that needs proprietary blobs. 
I'm, I mean, I'm not as convinced because one of the things that the Linux hardware companies try to do, I mean, initially, not so much nowadays, but one of the things they've all tried to do is avoid the known problematic hardware, like Broadcom. You know, like it's, it's got a legendary status within Linux. You know, don't buy a laptop with Broadcom. The, the thing we are seeing it though is Nvidia. They are, a lot of them are shipping with Nvidia GPUs and, Nova just isn't up to scratch, whatever Nouveau. way you're paying it. <laughs> Nouveau from the people that also make duvets um, <laughs> while f- watching through an Oprah browser. It's not up to scratch for playing games and 3D stuff. But- no, not at all. And if you own a GPU, let's be fair. Let's say you've got, like I have, a 1060, you want to use it. Yeah. And while it's nice to say, well, you know, if you're only doing this, that, and the other, you want to use the hardware you've paid for. And I don't think it's a valid excuse to say, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to argue with you on this one. It's not valid to say, well, it, you know, it can show Windows on there and then you can watch this because it's it's barely usable because you're getting spud frame rates. Most of the features on your GPU, which you have fucking paid for, don't work. Now, obviously, it's not the fault of the developers of the driver, but that I can't say. You know, it's not exactly their fault. It kind of falls on NVIDIA, but it doesn't mean that it's any more usable that we should get all kumbaya about it and say, well, you know, we should use these because they're free. Yes, they also kind of suck. Yeah, but I think graphics cards are an exception here because it's Mm. basically an accepted... um, It's the norm. Yeah, if you're going to have a discrete graphics card, it's going to need proprietary drivers. Yeah. Yeah, whereas if, like me, you don't really need one, then you just go Intel and you can use more or less free software. But... I'm worried about more uh, other aspects of it. Um, you know, Wi-Fi cards, displays to some extent, you know, sometimes keyboards. Look at the firmware that comes with most systems, right? You know, like if you look in like the, the Linux firmware package, some distributions split it into a non-free. Um, so here's an example. The AMD drivers over the last couple of years have been getting fantastic, right? They've really improved. The open source stuff has improved to the point where, I mean, they, they blast the other driver that I can't say <laughs> into the ground. And people are loving them. It's like <laughs> that they don't they don't need the proprietary drivers anymore, and that's great until you look inside the Linux firmware package and realize it's free of non-free blobs that actually make it possible to talk to the AMD GPU in the first place. And that's the same things like the some of the Marvel technology as well, and many many wireless chipsets already need these non-free blobs in the firmware. So I think that that ship has already sailed, you know. The, the soul has been sold. We are without souls. So you could say... You could say we're soulless. <laughs> no, don't say it for him. Uh, so so if, if, I just, if I just steer the, the ship back towards the System 76, the tuxedo discussion, um, I mean, I'm, I suppose what I'm thinking is if they were to take Ubuntu and put their own wallpaper on it, as the classic joke is, and call it, the system 76 os what's wrong with that technically nothing exactly and and so more problem with calling an ubuntu and so and so why don't they take a very large amount of ubuntu and a few little tiny tweaks and change the color scheme and you know i don't know i don't know whether mostly savvy linux users are buying system 76 hardware or a 50/50 split of of new people to linux and savvy um developers and what have you are buying this hardware but if they have it and it and it looks like the apple ecosystem where you get hardware and software that is built to a facade by the same people you would get that sort of warm feeling that they are building the software they're building the hardware and whether or not you know that they're standing on the shoulders of ubuntu it doesn't really matter from a branding point of view, from a System76 business point of view. It looks good to say you've got your own OS. Sure, but I mean, the, the we're talking about like how many people would actually have the System76. Well, we actually know that that's not a great number. Most of the people are going for the Lenovo's. Tell me I actually said that right. Yeah, yeah you yeah. did. Yeah, You, you can speak, there. yeah. Um, because of the, the recent Pharonix laptop survey, a lot of people were going for the Lenovo's and System76 was actually way down the list. 2%, now, yeah. It's not really, 2% is not a number to be laughed at, Joe. 
<laughs> yeah, because two percent of people use Sonos. That's a good, solid number. We like to. It's even. You know, it's a good platform. Yeah, a platform. We're just going to leave on. that as a private joke, I think. <laughs> but I mean, if you go back, say, two thousand and eleven, two thousand and twelve, right? If a new distro came out then and it said we're based on Ubuntu, we've changed some stuff, man, that's great. I, you know, I, I'd love to be able to do that myself, but someone's taken that and they've put some defaults in this. And I only thought about this, like, earlier on today. You get these ones to come along, and they literally did only change the wallpaper on a little bit of theme, and it's like applications that were changed as well. It's like, this is for me. You know, they've, they've taken Ubuntu, which is basically the only distribution that anyone should use at the time, by the way. Do not misquote me, right? But at the time, that's what you did, right? If you was to come along with a new distro, <gasps> how dare you? How dare you not use the Ubuntu? The Ubuntu from whence all distributions came, right? That was the attitude only a couple of years ago. But now, it's, well, you're not doing anything different. There was an attitude shift in the last couple of years, and I don't mean to sound egotistical about this, right? But is it the fault of guys like me? <laughs> because there was a time when you only derived from another distro it was unheard of to go it alone but then you've got projects like you know the one we shan't talk about that can't say words either they came along when independent and showed it actually could be done and now fast forward a couple of years where projects like that are accepted and people are saying yeah right you changed the theme fuck off that guy built this right it it's just not enough anymore it, it seems the perception really really changed because you just couldn't have got away with it a couple of years ago. You're not building something from scratch. You had to derive from something. You made minor customizations. It was effectively specialization of a toolkit. Ubuntu was the toolkit or Debian. You know, you specialized that f effectively for other people with grouped interests. So Pop! OS, you know, a few years back, even maybe three years ago, everyone would have lapped it up. But fast forward a few years, people are saying, well, you haven't done enough. This is only doing this. You've only changed that. So at some state, at some time, the attitude of Linux users completely changed to start rejecting that. And I find that fascinating. I, th I think the world three years ago is what built the cliche of changing the wallpaper and calling it a distro. Like, it had to happen so many times by so many people that it became that cliche that everyone laughed at. And now we're saying, oh, you've only done this. And I agree that when distro watches flooded with Ubuntu respins, it just becomes a joke, and now they they hold no water. No one's going to bother with them because they know mm. people know how to install the. You know, you made a good point about default software. Everyone knows how to uninstall and reinstall stuff. I do wonder what these distributions you're thinking of are, because when I think of the big distributions, they're the classics of Fedora and Suzy and Debian and Arch. And when I think of the other sort of newer ones, it's Elementary, which is based on Ubuntu. It's Ubuntu Mate, which is based on Ubuntu. And, you know, and obviously Solus, which is obviously independent. I don't see where these other independent ones are. Uh, Void Linux, uh, there was Chaos as well that came along a while back. Chaos, yep. Um, Chakra. I think that's how you say it. But yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, what's the one with a completely different package manager as well? Um, uh, not me, uh, someone else. Uh, <laughs> the not me distro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, you're right. There have been a few. Yeah, but it's not even just those. Like, even the derivatives have gone. They've been. That's the thing. Their derivatives, not respawned, right? They've gone so much beyond because you couldn't just say like uh, something like elementary. You couldn't just say, oh, well, that's just Ubuntu, such and such. They have their own ecosystem up on top of that. They have their own software. They have their own philosophies on top of that. It's not like they're just saying, you know, slap a PPA on it and fire it at it and best of luck to you. You know, even though it's not technically an independent distribution, that doesn't really matter to users anyway in that respect. It's significantly different from Ubuntu proper while benefiting from it. And you get the same, even though like Ubuntu Mate is a flavor of Ubuntu, it's it's very different as well. You know, it's very much, it has its own personality that's separate from Ubuntu itself, right? And yeah, the, the launcher and the other things he's added. Yeah, you know, it's got it's got its very own, to use the pun, you know, it's got its own flavor to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I maybe didn't mean launcher, I meant the greeter, the... Welcome. Yeah, welcome, Ubuntu Mate, you, welcome, yeah. and the software boutique. I really hope I said that word. I'm just going to no, stop saying boutique is uh, pronounced okay. yeah, boutique. Huh? boutique. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> totally what I said. Just edit it in, right? No, we'll just put you really over right. what I said. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're 
basically applying what used to be well what is still true of most respins you know respin versus derivative versus independent right we're applying what used to be true of those and saying ah you know like you think of it some sort of ultimate addition with the respin is it because it's a company that we shouldn't be applying this mentality because at the end of the day they do have engineers you know they do have people being paid to do this so surely it's not going to be we shouldn't have the same expectations we you've brought up the the next thread that I was going to tease on because this is system 76 they've made a a lightly changed ubuntu if you can call it that and i ran it on my uh, lenovo it worked fine i know joe ran it you haven't made any massive complaints so i assume it ran fairly well oh, it's, it's ubuntu wasn't it of course exactly, it's going to work fine exactly it's, it's ubuntu and it looks different it looks uh, in their theming if we come over to tuxedo computers which um, I have had no experience of the hardware or the software, unfortunately. I wasn't able to find the ISO because my German is very poor. Um, but I get the impression from, well, having listened to the Ubuntu podcast and, and Wimpy talking about his um, experience of it, and obviously they shipped it with Ubuntu Mate and he sort of tore it apart a little bit for not being um, the, the sort of core of Ubuntu Mate and they tweaked things, but they had tweaked them very fundamental parts of it in a way that was very uh it, it was negative you know it it undid a lot of the hard work that ubuntu and then ubuntu mate have done and so i wonder whether system 76 are going about it the right way and tuxedo who have who have gone about it in a more you know nuts and bolts type way have done the wrong thing and and they aren't uh savvy enough to get it right first time you know i, I know as I say, this is this is my secondhand information from from Wimpy. So, so what you're saying is, uh, System seventy six have basically done a new paint job on Ubuntu, whereas Tuxedo have got a hammer and chisel and bashed big bits out of it and got some spanners out and totally just fucked it basically. And that's wrenches to anyone in America. Yeah, yeah. So they got the spanners out and they've 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 got the torque wrenches and done that. And and I wonder whether we should be just you know, letting System76 do their thing and kind of saying, oh, you know, whatever, if, if, if you do that from a business point of view because you want to have the sof- software and the hardware, fine. But if you're going to go all the way, if, if in a year's time they've gone all the way to doing the sort of, uh, you know, hammers and chisels uh, like Tuxedo have done and they've fundamentally broken some of the key things that, requ- that Ubuntu requires, that is far worse. So is it safe to say then one of them is very focused on user experience, one which is System76. The other one, which is Tuxedo, is very much focused on metrics because at the end of the day, this is about key performance indicators, right? It's saying here's a chart of what it was before and here's a chart of what it is afterwards. Um, would you say then that the value that is shared between those is the value of the Ubuntu platform itself? And that perhaps System76 are doing it the right way because they're extending instead of shoehorning. If I was the boss of System76, I would be saying, okay, well done, people. You've uh, you've put your toes into the water. Now make it work harder for our, soft- uh, for our hardware. And mm-hmm. I fear I would push my uh, engineers into making tuxedo errors. Right, so they would have to go into the engineering part eventually where it's no longer enough just to have, you know, this is our pretty platform. To justify the platform, you'd have to get to a stage where you say, you know, this works best on our hardware. Yeah, a a really bespoke operating system for the hardware, yeah. Mm. Because, I mean, just to to reiterate some of the things that Wimpy was saying, um, you know, again, this is third-hand information effectively, isn't it? Uh, some of the core kernel functionality was broken in terms of using Docker and Snaps. Uh, Lexi and stuff as well was broken, I think. Yeah, which, you know, if you're a developer, those are probably the three most important things that Ubuntu has to offer you. Yeah. So, yeah, I can understand the, the fear for not wanting System76 to this. I mean, I mean, I'm on both sides of this, right? On the one side, any annoyance I have with them is because of their failure to communicate when they launched. I think they could have handled it much better. They eventually redeemed themselves on Reddit through their follow-up communications. And I would like them to do well. Because the the one good thing out of this is they haven't come along and said, we're creating a Windows replacement. 
we are creating a macOS replacement, right? That's just not going to happen. What they said and said is this is for professionals. We have a very specific set of people who buy our hardware, which, I mean, it's not just professionals. You know, it's enthusiasts as well and hobbyists, right? But they're catering to them people. So I will give them props for that, for not trying to create a Windows competitor, because that ain't happening. They've instead said this is for these people. But let's hope the future is better, because the, the foot they launched on, was it was pathetic. There, there's no other way of putting it, you know. They were defensive about it, and they they dug that hole themselves. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt. But there are those of us who have been in the distro saying a long time and made mistakes and see, can see mistakes before they happen. Well, if we were in our Telegram group, I would be linking a YouTube video of Things Can Only Get Better by D-Ream. That seems to be the soundtrack of what you've just said there. Yeah, I mean, it does feel a bit like labor all over again, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope they don't commit any war crimes, eh? Uh, <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> and on that bombshell uh, a bombshell really <laughs> uh, right okay let's get out of here right so we'll be back in uh, a couple of weeks uh, with more of the same hopefully uh, so in the meantime I've been Joe I've been Jesse I've been Phelan I'm Salaki see you later